Hello, hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. I'm Allison with MSW Lounge in Austin, Texas, and today we actually went guest-free, so John and Baldo kind of co-headlined this episode, and I will give you more details on what that was on in a second, but first I wanted to say thank you to Sarah Schneider for joining us live during this recording last week. Uh, We do record kind of um, a bit out there, you know, we, we go live on Facebook when we're recording this audio, but, um, this audio rolls out later than the video. So if you ever want to watch us recording live, we always stream it live on our Facebook page and that's just facebook.com slash MSW lounge. So just so you know, Sarah joined us live. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. She waved at us in the comments. So that's how I know she was watching live. And, uh, yeah. So before we dive into it, let's get on to the intros. Um, MSW Lounge is located in Austin, Texas and Westlake Hills. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Last but not least, we are sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. All right. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you guys know if you're listening to this on the day that the episode drops, which is October 8th, Monday, October 8th, uh, 2018, MSW Lounge is lucky enough to be the vitamin IV and shot givers. I don't know a better phrase for that, but um, they're giving vitamin IVs and shots at ACL, Austin City Limits Music Festival. John and Baldo were there all last weekend, and they're going to be there this weekend as well. Um, on Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 4. So uh, if you are wanting to get vitamized, swing by the C3 trailers at MSW, excuse me, at ACL and MSW Lounge will be giving vitamins. So that's fun. Uh, I believe I will also be there next weekend. So come say hi. And um, this episode is about the gut month challenge that Nurse Doza completed in September. He and Baldo talk about what that involved, what the results were, and what the results were and how um, John is going to take the information he learned moving forward. And they also talk a bit about Baldo's latest blood work. So here we go. How do you health podcast with John and Baldo? Hey guys, well welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. We're shooting from a, from a new location today that we haven't shot ever before from Veritas Backstage in the center of downtown Austin. Um, it's, it's been a fun ride to, to partner up with them. We'll tell you guys more about that here in a second. But uh, uh, today we're doing a recap show. Uh, Nurse Dosa here just finished doing a gut challenge, a 30-day Slenderella gut challenge. Uh, who were, whom we're proudly sponsored by. Um, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about that. We're going to talk some information, some amino acids, some nutrition, some foods to eat and not eat, and how they work and why they work and why they shouldn't work, and all these great things for you guys, tons of information, and we'll see where it leads us. So 
Um, Marzosa? Yeah, so I just completed a 30-day Slenderella gut challenge that started September 1st and ended September 30th where I ate nothing but foods to help me with my gut. I didn't think that I actually had gut issues to begin with. I kind of knew I had, you know, somewhat, everyone has gut issues, right, to a certain extent, but I didn't think that I per se had like leaky gut or IBS or whatever. I mean, yes, most guys will probably say, oh, I'll go to the bathroom just fine. It's the women who usually are the ones that are like, no, I got all kinds of issues. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, um, I, I noticed a huge difference. And the difference was that my gut shrank, my belly fat shrank around my midsection, around my chest, around my arms, my face. I mean, basically inflammation was gone after a while because the diet there was no inflammation I was putting in my food uh, and that I was eating so like basically I had a diet that was geared towards an anti-inflammation autoimmune leaky gut protocol so I walked a mile in everyone's shoes people come in they want help with their gut and I said well I'm gonna design a, a, a plan a diet if you will to uh, meet their needs I mean walk a mile in their shoes right yeah so and uh, if you guys don't follow any of those uh Instagram accounts, Slenderella USA, MSW Lounge, Nurse Doza. There's pictures of before and after, and you can really notice the difference of uh, what happened there. And I, I would never go as far as to say that, like John was fat or anything like that, but you can notice a difference in in in, in that uh, in that lifestyle change for 30 days even. And so you can imagine that, uh, you know, in his case, there wasn't a lot of issues already. But the fact that there was a lifestyle change, you can still see a difference. You can see how, how, how impactful something like that could be. So it's really neat to, 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 uh, to experiment with that. Um, going back really quick, I know you had done blood work before you started this. Yes. Um, what did you notice there that uh, influenced uh, the, the, the lifestyle change? So one of the things that I noticed in my blood work because you know I'm a guinea pig myself right I this is my own personal mission right for my health I have an autoimmune disorder um, I think I have gout I think that's what I have um, the the stuff that I looked in the blood work showed me inflammatory markers for heart health uh, from the, some of the foods that I eat you know some of the the meat products some of the fat that I was eating and then and some um, of that's genetic too and some of it's genetic yeah my, my father had open heart surgery this past year and uh, he had a, a triple bypass, a coronary artery disease, and and he, you know, genetically, I think that was the issue. So I, I'm at risk, right? So I was eating to make sure I lowered inflammation in my heart and my arteries, and so I that's why I kind of followed a keto diet to begin with. Um, but the other thing that I have going on is that I have um, diabetes in my family. Both my parents are diabetic, so genetically, who's at risk? Um, so I noticed that insulin and blood sugar was a big issue for me and that meant that sugar was also a big issue for me as well so I personally believe that when it comes to blood sugar and insulin issues it can cause inflammation in the brain and throughout the body so that was something I was also monitoring the blood work as well that's awesome um, do you miss anything because um, he's still doing the yeah I'm actually still, still going yeah I, I just posted again uh, day 33 of 30 I don't think I'm stopping this diet because the truth is I've never felt better. I, I mean, I have, yes, I have a flat stomach and I've never had a flat stomach. You know, probably not even when I was three years old, I probably didn't have a flat stomach. Um, I, I go to the bathroom regularly. I'm not tired. I sleep really well. I, I mean, I'm never bloated after a meal. The foods I eat are very simple to make and I, I like eggs and meat. That's what I'm eating a lot of. And of course the veggies. The one thing that I really miss um is probably like pancakes but the truth is uh i made my own pancakes now i found a way to make pancakes with basically three ingredients eggs bananas and cinnamon and now i have ghee butter that i've been putting on it slowly introducing blueberries back into my diet but that's that's it right there i mean i don't i know we're going to acl this weekend and ACL, uh, Austin City Limits Festival, has a wonderful uh, variety of different Austin foods, and Austin is a, a foodie town. So I'll be curious to see what I can eat, but like, for example, I just had tater tots that were made from cauliflower and had beet ketchup with it. So that's like exactly what I can have on my diet. Um, so it's gonna be curious to continue going forward. I, I'm not gonna give this diet up, and this is the thing I want people to understand. It's not a four-letter word, it's just my lifestyle, right? Because if I feel better, 
I look better. I mean, why in the world would I stop doing that? That's why I don't understand how people are like, oh, I went whole 30 for 30 days. I went gluten free for 30 days. I went paleo for 30 days, right? And then they stop. I'm like, why did you stop? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't keep up or I got tired of this. I'm just like, I've eaten the same thing for dinner like for the past four years, right? And you've seen me eat the same thing for dinner every four, every day. And now I eat the same thing for breakfast and dinner every night. And it's like, it's easy. It's just sustenance. Yeah. And, and it's funny that you mentioned that uh, as far as like people doing like a, like a you know, whole 30 or something like that for a certain amount of time, because I know that I've done, I change my lifestyle, my diets all the time, just because I like to experiment with what I'm doing. Um, but you know, so for example, in March, I believe I did a 90 day, no yeah. grains, no sugar diet. Right. And I went back after that. I went back. I mean, I missed the chocolate. I don't know if you missed chocolate. I miss like the pizza. I miss like all that. So I went back to eating those things, not as much as I used to. Yeah. But I definitely uh, went back to them. Um, now I'm doing. I just on the first I started the no grains, no sugar again. I just want to be strict again on it, just because I know how great I feel. Um, and then once again, I never go back to eating it as much again. But it is interesting to see people that say thirty days, right? And then you ask them, well, how did you feel? It's like, oh, I've never felt better. Yeah. And so, like, so why aren't you still doing that? Why do you think that, that, that people go back to I, I think there's a connection to food that is deeper than anyone can imagine. I think there's a love affection. I think there's a love fixation we have with food uh, because it's just like music. It, there's a soundtrack to your life, right? Like, think about the food your mom made and your grandmother made, right? Even your dad, right? Like, when, I'm sure when you went home this weekend, there's certain, like, plates that they make and you crave that, right? And being in my family, if you didn't have two or three plates of that food that was being served for my aunts, my tias and all that, they almost took it as a sign of disrespect. Like, you didn't want to eat more of my food, you don't love it. I'm just like, no, it's just that it makes me really full and it's full of grains and, and, and gluten and I just can't have it. Like, I just don't understand why, you know, people care so much about other people uh, worrying about, you know, their diet. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone should, you know, bend over backwards for my diet. I don't think anyone should cater to it. It's my, no one cares about my diet. I, I need to go on my own to basically do my own diet. I, I think that the diets that we do, like Ball of, you know, the diet that he did with the sugar diet and the water fast diet, we're not doing this to lose weight. I mean, this is, diet is not to lose weight in my sense. I don't think I need to lose any more weight. I think I haven't needed to lose any more weight in a while. I need to lose some fat, you know, I mean, some inflammation. And I, I put that in my post too. This was not a weight loss diet. This was a gut diet. It just happened to be that if you fix your gut, the side effect is your gut's going to get smaller, your belly fat's going to get smaller, and you get leaner, right? So like when Baldo, you did your 90-day uh, sugar cleanse, I remember Baldo coming home and be like, there's nothing I can eat. Like if I go to the store and I get this, I can't have this because there's an ingredient there that's basically hidden sugar. And that's when we start learning things about like sieta chips. Like, you know, in our backyard, sieta chips are made from cassava flour. Sponsor is still you, yes, sieta, you need to listen to I've been posting with y'all ton. I need your, your cassava fl uh, flour uh, tortillas. tortillas yeah. yeah, so we need, you need sponsorship here. Uh, but like we found out about cassava and we found out about uh, jackfruit, you know, exactly. that was another thing as well. And then um, Baldo just did it because he just wanted to help regulate his insulin more. And the, the only reason I think he was able to withstand a six day water fast was because he regulated his insulin off that sugar diet. So like, you know, Baldo said, oh, I did a six day water fast. He didn't do it to lose weight. I mean, the guy doesn't need to do this uh, to lose weight. He did it to fix his knee actually, because sure. it regenerated his knee, it produced anti-inflammation responses, and it also raises testosterone 400 points as well. So. I mean, I don't know too many diets are going to do that for you, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. So you tell most guys to go on a six-day water fast, first of all, they won't be able to do it. And second, they're not going to be doing it to try to raise their testosterone 400 points. They're trying to get rid of their beer gut. So, yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, we keep talking about labs and we keep talking about, you know, all those markers. The thing is, we, we have a lot of research that goes into all of this. Every single thing that we talk about has some validity behind it because it was either done by one of us or there's data to back it up. And so now I'm interested to see what my new blood worker says. I, I think my A1C probably went down even more. And if you don't think that I'm pre-diabetic, my A1C was 5.5 earlier this year. And then right before I started this diet, it was 5.3. So, you know, that's kind of high for a person who looks like me, but 
my skin tells another story because genetically I'm just always gonna have insulin issues. So yeah. um, Baldo is, is a little bit different. His, his issues you know, pertain to different type of inflammatory responses, but you can measure all of that in blood work, in urinalysis work. And we always like to do before and after because we want to tell people exactly what's going on in our bodies, but we want to know too, right? I mean, that's why yeah. Baldo really cares about what the type of food he puts in his, in his body, right? Um, you mentioned the chocolate deal. Man, I thought I was gonna miss chocolate. I honestly thought a week and a half in, I wasn't gonna make this diet. I was just <laughs> like, dude, I miss chocolate so much. I miss pizza, I miss pancakes. And then it kind of went away. Uh, the first week and a half, I had a headache. My every time I would eat a food, especially fermented food and and all that, like I would have like knots and like stuff would go in my stomach. I remember I tell Bob, I'm like, I ate that, and I said something's going on. Like I could feel something in my stomach. I don't. You have also that. went through a period of like constipation too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is okay. So on this diet, I did keep a BM journal, and um, because. Your BMs are a sign of health, right? Because so poop. It, because poop, right? Everyone poops. Just like we read to my, uh, my son Omar at night on his book, Everyone Poops. So um, all living things will have to basically excrete toxins in their body. And if you're constipated, it's a sign that your digestion tract is not working well. Uh, my, the toxins are staying. The in toxins are staying in your system. So, like, imagine that if we're detoxing, we're sweating, we're peeing, we're pooping things out, we're breathing things out, right? Hyperventilating, we're breathing out a lot of carbon dioxide. But there's an acidity behind that, right? pH levels, alkalinic uh, state of mind, and then at the same time, you have um, the the release of those toxins. They have to get out of your system, so your toxification system has to work really well. So there's a science behind that too. Baldo and I have methylation gene issues. Like we have uh, a mutation of our methylation gene. And if you don't know what that is, I'm gonna use a very easy phase. It's called the motherfucker gene. And it's essentially MTHFR. And the methylation cycle occurs in your liver. And it's a genetic response to how we produce ATP, how we detoxify the body. Jackson gene. Yeah, that's a Samuel Jackson gene. Yeah, we should call that. And then we also produce uh, neurotransmitters. So Baldo and I have the worst gene mutation of the methylation gene which means for him it helps uh it, it hurts him when, when it comes to like depression like that's when we tested it and we could see baldo is more prone to depression my depression might not be as severe but i'm more prone to inflammatory responses hence why i have an autoimmune disorder i can't detoxify as well so the vitamins that we drink and that we inject in ourselves that helps us perform and function better and so the methylation cycle is a big part of why I needed to fix my gut because I wasn't getting all the nutrients that I needed from my food and we tested blood work even Baldo being a vegan he doesn't get all his nutrients so we even had to have him take a fish oil right uh, we've had to have uh, an increase of, of meat products in my diet so I switched from keto to paleo which you know I didn't really I wasn't eating a lot of red meat before this I, I'm kind of against it to begin with but I see the benefits of it because I think our bodies were meant to consume animal products I love eggs I mean, why the hell not eat, you know, a little bit of turkey meat with it too. But um, the, 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 going back to the, the journal, I was for about a week after the week and a half, I was not, like there was about three days I was not being able to go. It was so odd. And then like a few days after that, no problem, like at all, like on the regular. That's probably that, that shift of your gut biome at that point. Yeah, because you're feeding a gut and here's the thing to this diet there's a couple stages right and and i really think we have to create this diet because it's so profound um so one of the things that we had to do in the anti-inflammation diet was remove all the inflammatory responses in, in my body right especially from the foods i was eating one of the big things that i removed was nightshades nuts and seeds and nightshade vegetables can be peppers and tomatoes um, he cooks with a lot of tomatillos, so I wasn't able to eat any of that stuff. I mean, I missed my salsa, right? I thought I was going to not be able to get around that. Like, how am I not going to eat salsa, right? I live in Texas here. Um, I don't really miss salsa that much, but I think that's pretty healthy for most people. But um, I tested my food sensitivity, uh, and I, I have allergies to almonds and tomatoes and garlic for some reason. I don't know why, but I removed the tomatoes and the almonds from my diet, and I think for some people, it's hard for them to break down. There's a coating, like a protein covering around um, certain nuts, legumes, bananas even, uh, gluten, uh, milk, 
you know, casein and lactose. So for some people, it's very hard for them to break down. And when you break them down, there's an inflammatory response your body produces in the gut. And that's how you measure to see whether or not you're absorbing and digesting your food properly without the side effects of, um, of inflammation. Uh, CONT is a very easy one to look at. TMAO is another one for, uh, for food products. Arachidonic acid is another one for mega-6s. So um, when we have those inflammatory responses, you have to remove the foods and you have to identify them. And most people, they don't want to go through an anti-inflammation diet. I mean, journal's so hard to keep because you have to be very specific. I tell people, you eat something, journal 30 minutes later how you feel. Journal two hours later how you felt. Journal how you slept that night. You know, Balder and I both measure our sleep cycle so we know like how our effect, everything affects our sleep. And so when I was looking at the removal of anti-inflammation, I was like, okay, is that gonna be enough to let the gut heal on its own? And it's not. And the reason why is because of all the damage from years and years and years of wear and tear on your body, antibiotics and all that. I mean, I, I took amoxicillin for the first time in like two decades and I was constipated for a week afterwards. And it's amoxicillin for crying out loud. It's one of the basic things that give babies. So that tells you that antibiotics can tear up the gut lining and remove all the stuff we need in there, like the flora, the probiotics. So not only was the first half to remove the diet inflammatory foods, but then also to to, how to fix it and to feed the gut, right? When you talk about Kevin uh, Ballister's Feed a Brain book, you know, how to feed a brain, we had to figure out how to feed a gut. And so brain. the second brain, right? The gut is the second brain. So we looked at um, prebiotics and probiotics. I don't take probiotic pills. I just, I don't. I, I get most of my vitamins through my shots and IVs and I take a few on the side. I can't put that, but um, I looked Senora at- sponsored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I looked at feeding the gut something that would, would promote healing. Uh, Slenderella gut is L-glutamine and it's an amino acid I took every day, sometimes twice a day and it promotes anti-inflammation of the gut, it patches up leaky gut syndrome, uh, helps candida as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so someone asked on that on, on, on our website, uh, no, on our Facebook about if it helps candida. So I had to do some research because I didn't want to just say like, yes, it does. I would assume so. Yeah. Um, but it's also in certain quantities, um, like up to 4,000 milligrams. And then I was checking uh, the Slenderella, uh, uh, the L-glutamine that's in there, and it is exactly that, four grams or four milligrams. Yeah. And so it's like a pharmaceutical grade, the healing amount for you know muscles. And yeah, it wasn't a coincidence that it was that, it that amount. No, yeah, no, it's, it's just that it was done right. And, <laughs> and that's something that I included. It was part of my daily routine. And you could that's why it was Slenderella Gut Challenge, because the basis of it that I was going to do something consistent every day for 30 months or for 30 days. And L-glutamine from Slenderella Gut was one of the things that I was consistent with. Um, another thing that I did is I ate a lot of prebiotics that fed the probiotics, you know, it's precursors to probiotics. So um, I tried cacao nibs, very bitter chocolate. It helps feed the gut. Uh, bananas, apples, prebiotics, uh, kefir, sauerkraut. I never eaten sauerkraut before, but Wild Brian makes wonderful sauerkraut. Uh, sauerkraut. I eat it every day now. Um, I'm gonna continue that. Kavita makes a really good kefir. Um, I don't drink alcohol at all, so I won't do kombucha. So I, kefir doesn't have, uh, or the Vita is a kefir that's non-dairy, so I could easily drink that with apple cider vinegar. And you know, there's these things I was doing every day. I don't like bone broth. I, I don't, I don't care if people, oh, it's so good. I don't care, like it doesn't taste good. I'm not gonna eat bone broth. It's just but like, and essentially we grew up and we like would have gado and stuff like that. It was the leftover crap. No one was drinking that stuff, you know? Like no one said, oh, the bone broth is good for you. Basically gave it, you know, to the animals, but like, um, I, I looked at like Brussels sprouts, which are supposed to be good for the gut. I couldn't eat that either. I tried, I didn't, I bought a bag, right? It went bad because I was like, I'm just not gonna try to cook it. But like, I would do more broccoli, more cauliflower. Um, well, it's interesting though, because like, it also depends on how, how much healing you want to create, right? Because you would imagine if someone is really bad, then you would want to do like, just cut it all out and do all the things, right? Like, and it's there's reset. also like a medium like depending on where you're at, like if you just want to like do a quick little re reset, but you're to eat pretty healthy, you probably don't have to go as extreme. Um, but at the same time, you could. Like, why, why, why not? Why wouldn't like, you? Why wouldn't you? Uh, well, here's the thing. We, we, I, I will tell you this: like you've been eating a lot more, and you're cooking. I eat a, I eat a shit ton. And you're cooking. And I'm cooking more. I cook more, and I'm eating a lot more food, and I'm never bloated. Like I can't eat enough food. I'm eating three avocados a day. I'm eating like a quarter to half a pound of meat a day. I'm eating like five or six eggs a day. I'm eating like two bananas a day. 
Uh, I mean, I mean, like half a pound of spinach a day, like a third of cauliflower a day, like a whole bag of broccoli. Like it's, I'm not, I'm not full. Like it's, but I'm not like starving. That's another thing. Like it's weird because I'm resetting my leptin and my ghrelin hormones as well, which that promotes satiety, uh, satiety and as well as uh, as as hunger as well. Ghrelin does hunger. Um, but you know, going back to you know why wouldn't you do this? We we talked. Okay, I got a lot of responses when we posted this, right? We did. Like everyone's like, "What did you do?" and blah blah blah. Like, what did you cut out? That was the number one thing asked. What did you cut out? I told people, "This is what you cut out." Okay, cool. Maybe I could do that. Most people are like, "Yeah, I don't want to do that." Other people are like, well, "What else did you eat differently?" I'm like, I "Ate a lot of sauerkraut." Baldo didn't want to try some yeah, of the stuff that I eat because I don't want to eat sauerkraut. Okay, fine. But we had a basically friend. anything. Sauerkraut or like pickle. I get that. Pickle, I get I that. Stand. I totally get that. But the thing was, we had a friend of ours who does have severe gut issues, and she was like, "What did you eat?" I said, "Sauerkraut." She's like, "Nope, not gonna do it." And I just kind of was like, "You're the one that complains more about your gut than anyone else. Why would you not do this if it's gonna be something that's gonna help you?" And still, the resistance was there. So my question to most people is, why? What is holding you back from doing a commitment like this, right? Because if you change the frequency about the way your brain looks at things, then essentially now you remove that love affection to food and you realize it's sustenance, that it's just nutrients that you're trying to get in your body. And you can eat all the gluten-free, paleo, keto, avocado oil-based food out there that costs $20 for a dollop of avocado and it won't do you any good if you can't even absorb it in your gut because it's so damn inflamed because you keep drinking milk on the side and you think that's good for you. I tell people, I'm like, just remove it all Find out where you're at with your inflammation, reset your gut by healing it, feeding it for maybe two months, three months, I mean, whatever it takes until you finally feel better and then stick with it and modify it. And for most people, I, I guess the thing is they just don't know, they don't know where to begin, right? I think that's where they think, well, how do I start? Well, cut this out, cut out nuts. Today, like just go home and cut out nuts from your diet or seeds from your diet and see what happens for the next week or two. Yeah, and I think for me, like, I said I won't do the sauerkraut, but but I also know that if I were to do something like that, that there's still other options that I'm totally okay with. But at the same time, if I was like let's say really bad and I had no other choice, then I would do it, right? Because it's more of like I guess I have to make that sacrifice. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I could just eat more avocados, or I could do I could supplement that with something else instead of the, the sauerkraut. I just can't do it. I can't even smell it. Well, it's just me out. The vinegar, I, the yeah. vinegar, yeah, I get. But I could too. do. Uh, Pickled jalapenos, but that's probably because I just focus on the spiciness. Well, it's it's like this. A lot of the people that come and see us, um, they have multiple issues going on with them. And but it's all the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's arthritis. Doesn't matter if it's IBS. It's all inflammation, right? So I'm just thinking, like, what are you doing to promote an anti-inflammation lifestyle? Everyone should be on an anti-inflammation lifestyle. It just it doesn't make sense to not to not treat your body that way because push comes to shove when. When you're older, the only thing you care about is your health. When you're younger in your 20s, we didn't care about our health, right? We, mm -hmm. didn't, we didn't think anything of it. We're 22. But it's neat to see people that are younger that do also they care about that. their health because then they're like really high performance. Oh, they're so – we were just talking to a lady earlier. She's like, man, I've been paleo, gluten-free for 30 years because that's how I eat growing up. And, man, I should have created a diet or a product because that's like everywhere now. And it's true, right? Gluten-free was a big fad. Um, for you know the past decade just because people are like oh gluten's bad for your gut and then all of a sudden they're like gluten-free brownies gluten-free pizza crust and I'm like yeah but they're not healthier choices right it's still processed uh, rice or potato or tapioca starch right a better choice would be cassava flour but you have to basically cook your own or make your own or like a cauliflower crust you have to make your own I found a cauliflower crust that was already pre-made but it was made with parmesan and then they usually add sugar to it and they add sugar I think sugar is the a big sure is the main because, culprit. I mean, if you do have gut issues or if you have like candida or candida, right? Like it's almost like sugar feeds it. Right? Sugar like, so feeds would, gut issues. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like that's the one thing you should take. And it reduces inflammation. Plus it saves your arteries, which saves your heart. And it's just like sugar is probably the epidemic currently that we have in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Well, my soapbox is this. Childhood obesity is a real thing. All right. I'm not going to try to get real on y'all, but listen to this. This generation of children is are not projected to outlive their parents. That's the first time that's happened in like centuries. Okay, I mean with the addition of antiseptics, I mean our 
lifespan prolonged an additional 20, 30 years just from that. But now we're taking a step back because of the food that we're eating. I mean, we're so freaking unhealthy that childhood obesity leads to something called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or metabolic syndrome. And this is, this is the severity of it. So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is essentially when an alcoholic drinks themselves to death, their liver looks cirrhotic and calcified. A person who's morbidly obese has the same type of liver. That's exactly what it looks like. So from the autopsy standpoint, you're like, did this person drink? No, they were just really, really unhealthy, right? And with that metabolic syndrome becomes an actual medical diagnosis. So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is an actual diagnosis term for people who are really, really unhealthy, which means they have high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, they're overweight, they have high triglycerides, they're insulin resistant, so they're possible pre-diabetic, and then their waist circumference is like, right? And the weird thing is I'm not saying that people who are fat or, you know, that there's anything wrong with them. I just say it's unhealthy. If you see someone that's like skinny up here and skinny down here, but they got a big old tire around their belly, I'm just thinking like, man, if they're a guy, those fat cells around the belly are just producing high amounts of inflammatory estrogen, which is causing their low testosterone, which means their wife isn't very happy. And then if they're a woman and they're in their 40s, those fat cells are basically causing her to have an estrogen imbalance, which is going to put her in a premenopause a whole lot sooner than what she should be. And then you wonder why all these women are basically feeling like crap and having night sweats at age 38 or why they have all these you know, fertility issues going on. And then on. they get prescribed testosterone, which is interesting. Yeah, that's not the that's not the answer for everyone. Like I said, this is not a quick fix for anyone, right? This is a long-term thing. So if someone says I'm tired all the time, I can't sleep, and I, you know, my gut's an issue and all that stuff, they don't come presenting that way. They basically say like, I can't lose weight. <laughs> That's what they say. I'm tired all the time. I can't lose weight. Fix me. What the hell does that mean? Like, I mean, it could be anything. So the first thing you start asking about is what's your diet like? What's your sleep like? Yeah, you sleep. What's your stress levels like? Like I told you, I, I'm tired all the time. Yeah, 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 but what are these like? Because it gives me an assessment. We had a lady and her mom come in last week. I asked them, what brings you in today? And the first thing she responded with, she was, I'm addicted to sugar. Yep. And her mom said the same thing. I'm addicted to sugar. I told her, I was like, I'm not gonna take away your sugar because you're gonna never come back again, but we gotta, <laughs> fix, we gotta fix your mentality around this and it's gonna take some time, but in the meantime, let's, let's, let's modify this to meet your needs. And for most Americans, if you tell them not to eat something, they give you the finger and they eat three times as much, right? I mean, we have buffets here for crying out loud. Why do we still have buffets in this country? Like, I just don't get that. All you can eat, right? Well, so for some of the social media posts that are going up because of this uh, challenge that you did last month, we're doing a little gut month info, uh, social media blast uh, this month in October. Uh, Joy and I worked on some of them yesterday and um, one of the things that she found when she was researching some of the informative posts was that um, consuming fat increases dopamine in the body and consuming sugar increases serotonin. So depending on whether, like what, which one you crave and people tend to want both at once. When, you know, we say, oh, I'm craving ice cream. Everyone seems to think it's all about the sugar and the ice cream, but there's like more fat in a lot of ice cream <laughs> than there, you know, so, um, and there's sugar. So it's, one of those things where our gut controls a lot more of our brain than we think. Oh, yeah. And by what we're, like when, our, when what we eat determines, you know, the feel-good neurotransmitters to be produced, it makes sense why we would be addicted to those things. Oh yeah, I agree. Good P5P? Well, yeah, we will talk about that. This leads <laughs> into that. So, so the gut's the second brain. And the reason why, and I'm glad Allison brought that up, the reason why it's, a, it's considered the second brain is because we produce more neurotransmitters in our gut than we do in our brain. And for people scoring at home, neurotransmitters are serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, and even uh, GABA. I think there's like about four or five that are main ones, and taurine might be considered one, choline might be considered one. Um, but taurine is also an amino acid. Well, that's the thing. You have things like taurine that kind of bounces back between amino acid antioxidants. Even choline is considered B4, vitamin B4, which is kind of cool. Um, but for this, this sake of the argument, let's talk about serotonin, for example. So serotonin, about 95, 98% of it is produced in the duodenum or the uh, duodenum, however you want to call it, whatever region you're from. And it's basically the first part of the small intestines. And think about the idea that if your gut's in dysfunction, are you going to produce more serotonin? 
most people who are clinically depressed, they're diagnosed with having low serotonin issues, right? They can't absorb the serotonin they produce. So a serotonin selective reuptake inhibitor, which is also known as an antidepressant, is given to someone who has low levels of serotonin to enhance the absorption of whatever serotonin is floating around. So think about this statement. If an antidepressant like Prozac or Zoloft is given, it's not with the idea that it's gonna help fix your gut to produce more serotonin in the duodenum. It's just saying whatever you're producing in the brain, even if it's like 10 units or cells of it, we're just gonna make sure those 10 units are absorbed more with this medicine. I would say, why can't we go to the gut, fix it, and produce more serotonin on its own so you don't have to produce that antidepressant? The problem is, is by the time you get diagnosed with that antidepressant drug, this is the checklist for a depression assessment. So you tired all the time, you cranky, you get irritable, kind of sad, hmm, okay, here you go. That's the assessment, not what's your sleep like, are you eating a lot of sugar, right? Um, do you have any genetic history that causes that? Do you have a methylation factor issue? Are you deficient in vitamin B6, P5P? So, so basically you're saying as a, with prescriptive authority, if you ask those four questions, you'll be able to give them antidepressants. There's no medical test for to confirm depression. And you go to a also site. No that's it. Training, like a lot of practitioners, I've heard this excuse before um, from people who ask their practitioners for additional testing on things like that, or you know, female hormone imbalance or male hormone imbalance. People will ask for additional testing. I have people come to me all the time saying, "Hey." I, my doctor thinks I have a problem, but they only took these two tests. I want a deeper dive. What, do, what tests do I ask them for? And when they ask their practitioner for the ones I tell them to ask for, their practitioner says, I'm not ordering that because I don't know how to tell you what it means even once I order it. Yeah, so that's part of why we have a standstill in this country when it comes to the healthcare system, right? Because you have the public who is essentially demanding more information and the, the, the public is, is right to demand more information, right? Because right now, giving someone an antidepressant is not gonna solve everything. It helps, right? But then there's still, you know, depression that's still there, right? So it's like- So it doesn't well, fix the issue. It doesn't fix the issue, right? And so what we look at is saying, is there a deficiency in your antidepressant or is there a deficiency in serotonin? What are you really trying to address here? And what we're trying to address is the deficiency. Not the idea that you're deficient in medication. No one's deficient in a medication. Someone's deficient in vitamins and nutrients. And that could easily come from an upset stomach that has the inability to absorb the foods that you're eating, right? So what's well, interesting how powerful the gut is, right? Because part of the reason that I did not, and I actually have some blood work, some, some blood work here, but then you can take a look at it here in a second, because I'm going to reference something. Part of the reason that I did my six-day water fast was because, and I took these right after the water fast, was because of the idea of the gut creating more stem cells to help regenerate new tissue in my knee, in this case, which you mentioned earlier, right? Yeah. And it's like, but if it doesn't ever have time to get to the part to create more healing properties, then you can never get there. So I have a question for you. So do you feel, it was, were you, do you feel any better from the sense of like, did you have any, anything that was aching before, any, or maybe even your gut? Yeah, I could tell my left my left toe has been pretty good. This is my measurement of my gout. First of all, gout's like, obviously I'm not a woman. I've never given childbirth. I can't, I couldn't even fathom how painful that really is. But I can tell you this, I have had gout and that is something I would never wish on, uh, wish on my own you know, enemies. But it's essentially like, imagine if an elephant was just stomping on your foot, right? Just putting pressure on your foot and that elephant instead was not an elephant, it was um, a piece of paper or your sock. It just feels like the weight of the world and it's very painful, I couldn't walk on it. It's, it's in my joints, it's in my big toe, so when there's something I eat, my toe will flare up. If I'm dehydrated, my toe flares up a little bit. I really haven't had that on this diet, which I thought was interesting. Um, I thought the meat was probably gonna inflame it because with most people, deli meats, liver, you know, those kind of pickled, you know, nitrates, foods. I stayed away from deli meat. That's the one thing on this, which I think helps. But most of the time, my foot feels really good. Um, I was looking for more mental health um, benefits. I can tell you that. What's funny about that, I've been probably more stressed under this past month than anything else. And so I can't say it helped my mood in that sense. Um, 
there are certain things I have to do to help with my mood. And so I've been doing a lot more bliss, which is a serotonin booster. I've been doing a lot of P5P and, and vitamin B5 because God bless that relaxes me and helps calm my cortisol levels. But um, I think for some people, they can address their mental health issues by simply fixing their gut. I, I really believe that most of them can. Not, not everyone, but a lot of people can. And so going back to the whole serotonin dopamine aspect, think about this. And I, and I, I mention this all the time, but I want you to put this in perspective. Neurotransmitters and hormones go together, okay? There's a hormone cycle throughout our body involved in the endocrine system, pancreas, liver, adrenals, thyroid, you know, there's a lot of things that produce hormones and the hormones make us function. Neurotransmitters affects our mood and our behavior. So a lot of times they will go hand in hand depending if someone's depressed and angry and irritable, right? Do they have low testosterone? That's why they're irritable. Do they have low estrogen? If they're a woman, they're irritable, right? Or is it they're depressed and irritable because they don't have any serotonin? So they kind of go hand in hand. But the one thing that I'll, I'll say this uh, about serotonin and dopamine is that they work well with however your diet and your stress levels are, are going in your body. So think about this. The first thing that goes in our body in times of stress is cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone, it goes up. It's released from the adrenals, <coughs> excuse me. And a lot of times it puts us into something called a sympathetic response, which is flight or fight mode. Rest and digest is parasympathetic response. That's when we're very calm. Um, think about people who are sympathetic all the time. They're stressed out, they, I don't know, they have everything hitting them, the world's coming down on them. Uh, they have increased heart rate, increased breathing patterns. They kind of, you know, maybe are grinding their teeth. Uh, these people like can't go to the bathroom because a sympathetic response squeezes the digestive tract and it keeps it from like having the motility and working like an assembly line. It also keeps them from peeing. The other thing a sympathetic response does too is a guy can't get it up because you need your parasympathetic response in order to have an erection. I mean, just think about what morning wood does. If you get a good night's rest, you basically wake up and there you go. But for most people who don't get a good night's rest, when was the last time they even had that issue, right? Like they even felt that. So for the sympathetic response, it puts all kinds of nervous strain on our body and we need to be in parasympathetic mode so we can go poop and we can get erections and have sex with our, our spouses. But then at the same time, the sympathetic response keeps our body from producing neurotransmitters like GABA. GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that simply activates the parasympathetic response that allows your body to poop and pee on a frequent basis. The other cool thing about it as well is that GABA comes from a concoction of certain vitamins in our bodies. One of the things is vitamin B6, P5P that Baldo was talking about. P5P is a, a vitamin like B6 that essentially is deficient in a lot of people. Everyone knows about B12 deficiency, there's B9 deficiency, there's B6 deficiency because they're all brothers and sisters. They're very similar to one another. B6 deficiency is linked to heart health and brain issues. But B6 helps you convert more serotonin, more dopamine, more melatonin, more GABA, right? So think about this. It's one thing for your gut to be kicking out a bunch of serotonin or precursors to serotonin. It's another thing to be sufficient in B6 and P5P to allow your body to convert that serotonin. All right, so let's back up again. I'm getting off track, but go back to the cortisol. So the cortisol is increased, right? Which means stress is up, which means GABA's down, right? We're in sympathetic mode, right? So right now, we're not calm at all, right? If you have cortisol increased, the next thing you have is insulin's increased. Insulin is increased because blood sugar increased because cortisol increases blood sugar, right? Cortisol increases blood sugar, insulin goes up. So now we have cortisol and insulin, and now we have the start of our metabolism. What people don't get is they think that their metabolism's off is if, if, you know, if their thyroid's off. Everyone thinks their thyroid's off because everyone has thyroid issues. Yeah, that's true, but that's a secondary issue. Cortisol is usually the first thing that's affected. It raises insulin. The next thing that raises is something called leptin. I mentioned it earlier. Leptin is the hormone that tells you you're full, right? So what's going on in my brain, I don't have any leptin at all right now in my body because my body is basically saying your insulin's regulated, your cortisol, I don't know if it's regulated, but um, if I take P5P and B5, it does get regulated and then my leptin's not that high, which means my body's saying keep eating, yep. right? So the funny thing about, the, actually, leptin, if it's high, it tells me to stop eating. If leptin's not too high, I can keep eating because I'm still hungry. So think about this. I just mentioned three hormones and we haven't even gotten the estrogen and, and thyroid and testosterone. Cortisol, insulin, leptin, if they're all elevated, that person is, usually has a slow metabolism, they can't lose weight, they're stressed all the time, they can't poop, and they're probably unhappy, all right? 
that's how you start balancing hormones because you address the cortisol, you address the, uh, address the insulin, then you address the leptin. And if you do that, they all lower, your ghrelin goes up. This is a hormone that tells your body that you're, you're hungry. And then what starts happening is your insulin doesn't spike as much. So when you start doing blood sugar and you start eating carbs and sugar, your insulin and your sugar won't be doing this all day, which exhausts people. Oh my God, it makes people exhausted. Just think about if you go to Panera Bread and you eat a bunch of bread, around two o'clock after lunch, you have a sugar crash because all those carbs, just basically decrease because your insulin spiked an hour before that. So those will happen, increase cortisol, increase insulin, increase leptin. If we want to reverse that, then you're in a healthier state and you're most likely in parasympathetic mode. But here's the thing, cortisol makes your brain crave sugar. So then the dopamine is activated, right? And what happens is if your body doesn't have enough dopamine to feed that, um, that craving, what happens is they say, okay, well, if we can't, we can't get dopamine in here to give you that euphoric feeling that you, that you normally get from high amounts of it, sugar can kind of do the same thing. Sugar can basically attach in the same spots in your brain that dopamine does. Sugar can attach in the same spot that dopamine does, and heroin can do the same thing too. Cocaine can do the same thing too. That's why they're pleasure zones. Dopamine is our pleasure hormone, I mean neurotransmitter, right? Cortisol makes you crave sugar, and sugar can be going right into that pleasure zone exactly where the dopamine is supposed to go. So you wonder why people have this fixation with food? It's because your brain literally craves those foods even though the leptin signal is telling you don't eat it because you're so full. So by the time Friday night rolls around and you've been stressed out all week from work, you go and gorge like whatever pizza and ice cream and you binge Netflix, your body's saying don't eat all that crap, we're full, we're stressed, you won't be able to poop it out and your blood sugar is already high so don't do that stuff but we still do it anyway. Because I rule. Because I rule. Because I deserve <laughs> to eat this. I'm going to veg out and do this. Yeah. Your brain's t tricking us. Yeah. That's essentially what's going on. And it's one of the brains. It's either this one or this one. So, you know, I know that... Oh, you want to touch on these? So I know that we talked a little bit about the blood work. I'm just going to briefly talk about this. Um, because I know we're running out of time here. Is it up? Of course. How long? I don't know, but Baldo has a time limit on his Facebook usage, which usually kicks us off. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so we're still recording on this audio. So we have well, That's Baldo. cool, because I want this separate anyways. Well, we have, we have a, yeah, let us know when you're ready to roll with that again. Okay. We have the blood work here. Baldo had really low inflammation this last time around, but we tested his stuff like, you know, many times over the past couple years. He has inflammatory markers that were sky high back in 2016. Baldo was 60 pounds heavier. He was not vegan. He was not doing yoga every day. And he was running and training for Ironman and he couldn't even bend over to touch his toes. His inflammation was off the chart. His HSCRP was at 100. His, his fibrinogen was 569. Those can cause inflammation in the heart and in the brain. And if I'm looking here, he's lowered his A1C over the past couple of years. He lowered his HOMA, uh, which is insulin resistance. He's definitely lowered his blood sugar incredibly. Um, he is a vegan. He eats a ton of avocados, but man, he's not getting any DHA or omega-3s in his body. So his body's not converting it. His testosterone two years ago when he was super overweight, his testosterone was at 243. And you were what, 34? 34, yeah. Yeah, 34 years old. Yeah, he, he had testosterone of an 80 year old man. Now his testosterone is 1,020. He raised his testosterone like 800 points in the past two years. And he hasn't taken any testosterone injections. His thyroid stayed nice and healthy. It's kind of hyper, which is not a bad thing. Liver, kidneys are healthy. His cortisol is seven. Cortisol is the stress hormone. What? <laughs> His cortisol is seven. Put it in perspective. Most people are easily 15 or 19 or 20. This is I don't really do much. He <laughs> went to go give blood one time, and he couldn't give blood as a donation because they said his heart rate was too low. They said, and I quote, you need to go home and find some stress, raise your heart rate, come back so we can get you to donate blood. I still haven't been able to donate. His DHEAS is in, is in the 300s, excellent. 
Vitamin D is a little bit higher now. Homocysteine's down. You're still kind of deficient in CoQ10. <coughs> Liver's nice and healthy. I mean, his cortisol's seven. It's not even fair. Guy, what's yours at? Do you know? Nah, probably 12, 13, maybe. I mean, cortisol will go up and down throughout the day, but. I also do a lot of B5. He also does a lot of B5 and meditates all the time. And he doesn't have kids. I don't know. Maybe you're going to live to 180 like you think you are. So to relieve stress, get rid of your kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's the answer, okay. but I mean. No, it's not. I, I could just take, like, the blood work is a reflection of his lifestyle. It's not necessarily the idea that he directly said, I'm going to go lower cortisol. He just said, hey, I got these issues. I don't feel right. I don't feel healthy. I need to address them. And the byproduct of that is that there's the inflammatory markers that go down. He balances his hormones, and he helps regulate his neurotransmitters so he feels better. I could tell when Baldo doesn't take his vitamins. He doesn't, he's not happy. Baldo can tell when I'm not even taking my vitamins because I'm not happy. It's neat to see, like, uh, you know, that I think it was like two weeks ago. I was like stressed out about it, and everybody could tell. I don't. I thought people couldn't tell, but uh, Pam, our operations manager, was like, "Here, you need some bliss," and it was completely just a deficiency. Because like literally thirty minutes later, I was like doing hand signs again, and, like being happy, and I was just like, "Damn it!" Like I just didn't. I didn't eat very well because I was stressed and. I didn't take my vitamins because I was like, I don't need this today kind of deal. Like, it was just, it's weird how we get into that habit of like, this is how I feel and I want to feel like that and I want to just like, you Gorge. Know. I want to overeat to where I feel miserable and my belly sticks yeah. out and I have to undo my belt buckle because I ate too much. That to me, that doesn't seem appealing anymore. You're no. struggling to breathe and the meat sweats. Nobody wants that. Unless you get the carb sweats, yeah. I get those too. I get those sugar sweats. I they just laugh at me. I go to crazy. Unless you go to the salt lake, then it's like okay. Yeah, then it's meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> That's like gluconeogenesis at work. You're eating so much protein at once, your body's turning it into sugar as you digest it. <laughs> yeah, that's why the the protein protein is not the easiest thing either to, to emphasize to people. For all you meatheads out there that eat nothing but protein, you gotta eat some fat with it too. And I'm not talking bacon. All right, you gotta eat some avocados. You gotta eat some salmon. We eat a lot of sardines now. Yeah, I eat a lot of sardines. I love sardines in a sense. It's like probably one of the healthiest fish you can put in your body. And uh, thanks to Kevin and How to Free the Brain, he said uh, uh, king salmon. Or uh, I think that's what it was. Whatever the one he was saying is like that's like the healthiest. Oh, the, it was a certain type of salmon. Yeah. So so all right. I think you know we talked a lot today. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think yeah. that that's a that's a good little way to wrap it up there. But uh, please uh, feel free to text us or to uh, reach out to us and all the social medias, the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the uh, you know, just go on the on the website too because you can even chat with us on there sometimes when I'm there. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, ask questions, whatever you need. I mean, please, we'd love to hear your questions and, and find out how we can help and, and, and support your your goals as well too. So. Uh, signing off here. Uh, you can find Doza at Nurse Doza on Instagram and myself at Tex Mexiobi. Thank you. See y'all at ACL.